Hello, this is Deborah Anderson, the Black Woman Animator, coming back to you with another video. And in this video, I have Pilar Newton. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Can you introduce yourself? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name's uh, Pilar Newton. I am an animator, and I'm an independent animator. And uh, I also uh, am an assistant professor at City College of New York and uh, just spreading love of animation. Yeah. <laughs> So you're from Flatbush, Brooklyn. How was it growing up? You know, growing up in Flatbush, like during the eighties was just, it was just iconic. Like we were the original Fat Albert gang. Like we, <laughs> like we would build go-karts and clubhouses oh. and run around and play basketball. We would play baseball and football in the street. And uh, I was actually the worst athletically, you know? So of course I say <laughs> we, I use the term very loosely because I was usually the one getting benched. Right. <laughs> so we were like, absolutely like the original Fat Albert gang. <laughs> so like all the um, movies I grew up watching in the nineties, that's what y'all actually did in those movies. <laughs> like, like making yeah, like go-karts and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I so never like, actually made go-karts. Like, I just saw, like, people make them on movies. <laughs> yeah, like, we actually made a couple of go-karts. Like, it got to the point where um, if if everybody everybody contributed a piece and we had, like, one mm -hmm. go-kart. But if mm -hmm. somebody got mad, like, I'm taking my flag back. And somebody else, this kid had, like, a, a fake engine that looked like a really, like, a realistic-looking engine that looked uh -oh. like a plastic. It's like, I'm taking my engine back. And another kid's like, I'm taking my flag back. It's like, no, if you get into a fight... Then and then everybody takes your cool stuff back. So right. that was like the thing, you know. So you had to learn like interpersonal communications. Yeah, no, it was amazing and it was really funny. And then like we had um it everything was sports because my sister and I grew up, we were the only girls, and it was like a mm -hmm. huge just a gang of boys. So we were always like accepted. Like we were yeah. one of the boys. I mean, I would get made fun of like, ah, you're a girl, you can't play, or something like that. Like we were that we were not like excluded. Like we were totally welcome. Like you're like the more the merrier. Like we need yeah. a first base, someone on first base. But you suck, Pilar. So like we need someone <laughs> that could actually play. You know, <laughs> you know. So, so I was like, always like uh, relegated outfield. to the outfield. Yeah, one hundred percent. And since we played on the sidewalk, it was like the field was like this wide and like this long. It was really fun. Right. <laughs> so, um, what are and in addition to what you said, what are some of your best childhood memories? You know, um, like my whole memory, like was growing up loving cartoons and growing up around kids that love cartoons. So, you know, mm -hmm. and so my friends and I would play like Inspector Gadget and like, you know, uh, and I would, my dog was Brain, I was Penny. And, you know, my friend Cece was Inspector Gadget and we would like run around and be like, oh no, you know, we would just, like all afternoon, you know, um, and just like being kids, like being able to be kids was really amazing. And then Saturday morning cartoons just informed my whole life. It even got to the point where Saturday morning cartoons informed like how I dressed, like, you know, like I loved Punky Brewster, especially I loved the TV show, the, the sitcom Punky Brewster, and then they adapted it into a cartoon. And I love that show. Like, that's why I wore like bright yellow Converse. Like, I mean, like straight up the way Punky Brewster dressed nice. that like bled right into high school. Like, and just like, even to this day, you know, like how I dress <laughs> like, well, right now I'm a little like, you know, kind of representing the auto animation festival here, rocking my blazer, but like, 
Now, if you see me on like on a normal day, I have like colorful sneakers and, you know, <laughs> if you could see my feet. <laughs> <laughs> and well, what is your cultural makeup? And that's not only to say what's your ethnicity, but also what is the culture of where you grew up and the uniqueness of where you're from? Oh, yeah. OK, so um, I mean, I I come from I'm a mixed heritage. So so my father's like Anglo, white, Scottish uh scottish ancestor scottish ancestry my mom's black was born in mm -hmm. new rochelle like so it was really uh you know but i was i was what was really amazing is that and i don't know if i answered your question in any way shape or form mm -hmm. i am from a mixed heritage but you know my mom used to say like you know you could go into a job interview for instance and say i'm i'm half you know i'm half scottish irish heritage you know but she's like they look at you you're black you know, and so it's like I grew grew up like I you know just I'm black you know like mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> you know I'm proud of every part of me you know yeah and uh, what was really what, what was unique about where I was from I grew up in a yeah like OG Flatbush you know mm -hmm. and um, just you didn't really see like a lot of cartoonists walking around yeah <laughs> I mean I, I didn't even meet another cartoonist until I was in pretty much high school you know mm -hmm. and so it was just really cool being like the only cartoonist you know yeah like so it was like really cool like uh, okay you, you know you're the only cartoonist even when I was in junior high school I was like the best cartoonist in junior high school it's like so nice everybody's like Polar even teachers were like I need a poster <laughs> yeah. it was really cool and uh, wait I don't know if I did I answer your question in any way shape or form yes you did yeah <laughs> so what is your favorite tradition from growing up like with your family oh wow favorite tradition so many I have to say I mean I mean honestly Christmas you know mm -hmm. uh, I mean just like I, I, actually Christmas and birthdays and the reason being I have so many friends that are like oh I never had good birthdays or I don't really have positive experiences about Christmas etc cetera, etc cetera. And no matter what was going on, like birthdays, for instance, no matter what was going on, like my mom could be like furious at me because I, you know, got a call from school or I got like, or I was, I didn't do my homework or I failed yet another math test and okay, you're grounded. Da, 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 da. No matter what was going on the morning of your birthday, you were special for that day. Like even, mm -hmm. even if my mom could be like completely mad at me about some, I can't even think of an example, but when you wake up the morning of your birthday, all that is put aside and it's like you, that's your day, you're special. And it's really like really amazing. Like one year um, I woke up, we had a brownstone in the backyard. So I woke up and my dad had built like built an entire um uh jungle gym nice. you know you know those those um god they're shaped like uh hexagons mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's like a dome mm -hmm. so but we call them monkey bars you know so it's like my, yeah. my dad like built like a, either a jungle gym or monkey bars i woke up and this he had spent the night assembling it and it was like a massive i have like a picture of it so i'll have to send it and <laughs> And that was like my favorite birthday, like just waking up and seeing this is like, wow, you know? And then another year, and this was like, I had just graduated junior high school and mm -hmm. this was the summer between junior high school and high school. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I, it was my birthday and my mom said, we're going to Great Adventure. <laughs> and it was just amazing. And there I was in my yellow Converse getting, you know, going down like Splash Mountain. No, that's Disney, the, um, the flume mm -hmm. and everything. So just the traditionally, like we always had just amazing birthdays, no matter what was going on. Mm -hmm. Like that was like a your day. And I always, I always was made to feel like special. Not that I, you know, it's like, it sort of sounds selfish. Like, Oh, I'm made to feel special, but like, I think it counts, you know, like you have yeah. a day where it's your day, you know? Yeah. And Christmas too, no matter what was going on, like it was like, that was just a great day to just be together and be happy and be family. Like, you know, nobody ever got mad at one another on Christmas. Then the next day, then it was like, okay, okay, we can stop being nice to each other. <laughs> I love it. So holidays were always like, especially Christmas and birthdays, like holidays are always like very positive. <laughs> That's wonderful. Oh, uh, and the so Jackson five, the Jackson five Christmas album. What the Jackson five Christmas album was on rotation. Like we still, my sister actually has the record, uh -huh. the physical record. She still has it, but we knew exactly where the record skips were. So, you know, so right when we knew, like the record, were, like right when we knew where the skip was, it would be like, have yourself click. Like you just, <laughs> you just like tap the record right in time and it'll, and it'll, the needle jumps the skip and then you uh -huh. don't miss a beat. Like what? Right. <laughs> so that's my Jackson's my memory. Sorry, go ahead. That's funny. Um, so let's get into your journey in art and animation during your childhood. What was that? Well, you, you know, actually my mom always reminds me of the fact that, and my one great re regret in life is that I don't still have this drawing, but I have the memory of the drawing is that mm -hmm. my mom said that at the age of like two and a half, the very, I drew the first, there's always that memory of like the first recognizable thing you drew. <laughs> yeah. And I actually drew, it was like a lady with a pocketbook. <laughs> and and it was like literally it's like you could draw it's like the stick figure with the hair and like the the little pocketbook and my mom was like blown away she even wrote it like in her handwriting lady with pocketbook and <laughs> and it was sort of like then it sort of became apparent that oh you know she likes to draw so mm -hmm. at about like the age of seven like my parents signed me up for art classes, this is where the professional artists were in a mm -hmm. real art studio mm -hmm. in Soho. And it was really amazing. And I was learning uh, how to shade and I was learning how to shade like a sphere and like light sources. I was learning gesture drawing and how to draw, uh, like, like we would copy paintings of figures and I was drawing like nude models, like from paintings, like we were like looking at uh you know paintings and i was drawing like nude figures and and painting scenes like there's like a painting of a sailboat that i did that my mom stuff my mom keeps everything so right if you go to my mom's place every it's like the art gallery of pilar is like really cool mm -hmm. and then um and then saturday morning cartoons happened <laughs> right and i just became really really just something really resonated with me like uh especially the smurfs mm-hmm so that that really just jumped out at me and like just resonated with me. Like, what is that and how do I do it? Mm -hmm. And yeah, and it, that's it was just sort of like, and that was like the first day of the rest of my life. <laughs> I saw a video where you mentioned that you like you would travel upstate with your dad and like look for Smurfs in the bushes. <laughs> 
Oh my God. There was this one and I, and I want to do like a memoir about it, but it was like, it was like, it was like myself. And then, um, like my dad had a friend, he had a couple of friends at summer houses. Mm-hmm. So he had one friend, we were like out and like, I gotta ask my friend, I think my dad, I, it was his friend's house in East Hampton. And mm-hmm. so he had like the little, the quote, little kids. So it was like me and my friend Elena. And, uh, that was like my dad's friend's daughter. And then my sister and like the two older kids mm-hmm. were messing with us. So I was probably about like eight and a half, mm-hmm. but they had us convinced that, you know, Smurfs are real. And we saw them in the butchers. And, and so we went and they said, Pilar, look, I see tracks. And to them, they were totally. And so my friend and I were like, whoa, you know, and to them, they were, they were just messing with us. And, uh-huh. And it was just sort of like, aha, look at the silly kids thinking Smurfs are real. But to me, it was a kind of a really magical day because I spent like a whole day believing that Smurfs were real. Yeah. And it was actually just so fun, like the adventure and like we were going through like um, like the trees and like, oh, look, I think I see one of the houses through that bush over there. And it's like, no way, I'm wrong. But I do see some tracks and... <laughs> And it was just really magical, just having like your imagination, uh, you know, just like living in this like imagination, even though I was being messed with. To me, it was real and I, I appreciated it. To this right. <laughs> I believed it. So what do you really like about the Smurfs and what like resonated with you about it? I don't even know. There was something about it that there was something that it was almost like, it's completely believable that something like this could happen because mm-hmm. no one can ever find their village mm-hmm. and they're small and they live in mushrooms. So if you ever do see their village, it just looks like a bunch of mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, and there's something I like about the, the blue, like the fact that they were all blue, like that resonated with me too. And the stories, like, like the stories were so simple. It was like mm-hmm. good against evil and, um, you know, they were always being chased by some wizard or goblin or and it, oh, it was so good, you know. <laughs> There's just something about it. I just really, especially the cartoon. I love the comic too, and I still have a bunch of comics. That's kind of how I got, really got like obsessed with this merch was by reading the comics, but mm-hmm. the cartoon was like, what? It was amazing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you interned at Jim Henson in high school. How did you get the opportunity and how was it? Oh, wow. Okay. So, wow. We definitely had to high school. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> so high school, I had this amazing teacher that um, she, Dr. Isle. Oh my God. She was amazing. God rest her soul. Mm-hmm. And she just kind of took me under her wing. And um, she said, there's a new initiative where if you get an internship, the city pays for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you pick out, you apply. And if you get accepted into the program, you pick out where you want to intern. And then you send your time card to, it's like this organization. And then they, I was like, wow, really? So I was in the program. There were several students that were doing it. And so someone was like, uh, wasn't in, one of my friends was like an intern at an architecture, you know, mm-hmm. architecture firm. Someone else was a design firm. Someone else was like a painting studio, you know. I just like went, like I basically just went totally extra with it and was like I want to intern at Jim Henson Productions and they were like mm-hmm. and they were like okay <laughs> and 
what was really amazing is I went in for the interview and um, it was like at the carriage house on East 67th street. And I sat down with one of the producers and you're there surrounded by monitors and tapes and artifacts. From, and this was, what was really interesting is that this was a year after Jim died. So this was like spring of 91, mm-hmm. like spring mm-hmm. semester of 90, 1991. And, and the, the wound was still fresh. Like you could tell, that everyone still keenly felt the loss that, you know, Jim Henson, you know, Jim died like a, like almost exactly a year prior. And, but it was, so it was amazing. So when I got, I got accepted, it was pretty incredible. Uh, I would leave high school, get on the Crosstown bus two days a week, and I would work at the Jim Henson Productions. And it, it involved everything from dubbing tapes uh, those young people out there, this is before MP3s, but you would put a tape in a machine and say somebody needs like a, a news company or somebody that needs a clip. Oh, I need um, episode 41 of The Muppet Show, blah, 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 blah. And I need 10 copies. So I would actually put like the three quarter inch tape in the machine and then I would like put in like 10 VHS tapes, label them, send them out. Um mm-hmm. Um, one time, um, Richard Hunt, who does Scooter, mm-hmm. Scooter from the Muppet Show, and um, he's no longer with us, but we were there in the studio, us interns, just, you know, sometimes we would sit there and just, sometimes they would just say, you know, watch what's happening around you. Like, yeah. look at what's happening. Oh, sometimes they would say like, okay, we don't have anything for you to do at this moment, but look at what's happening around you. Yeah. And... Um, Richard Hunt came in with a shopping bag and he pulls Scooter out of the shopping bag. Mm-hmm. And he sits down at the monitors and starts performing Scooter. Mm-hmm. And it was just for, it was actually like one of the producer's kid's birthday. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, I'll perform a clip of Scooter like saying happy birthday. And that's what it was. And he was like, um, hi, this is Scooter from Birthday Central. And someone told me that it's Mary's birthday today. And and like the monitors behind it was really cute and corny and funny. And <laughs> and we just couldn't believe that we're sitting there watching Scooter. And then after he was done, he was like hanging out with us. He was like, oh, hey, so how's it going? And it wasn't like, okay, see you later, kid. I'm busy. You know, <laughs> right. he, he hung out with us and talked to us and chatted with us. The nicest, most lovely person ever. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Uh, another time, Dave Goltz, who does uh, Gonzo, um, mm. and my favorite Fraggle, Boober, um, he came in and on the top floor, they were auditioning puppeteers or Muppeteers. Mm-hmm. And they had like the kitchen was like, was like full of snacks and drinks and everything. So everybody that came in to audition, grab a snack or, you know, and he was like overseeing the audition. And us interns, they were like, just just hang on and watch. So of course we were completely raiding the snacks and like watching. <laughs> yeah. And Dave Goltz would like watch and then he and then he would come in and hang out with us. Like, well, what did you think of that last one? And we're oh yeah, well, you know, like and he was talking to us and his voice, <laughs> even his speaking voice was kind of similar to like to Boober. I, it's very, very close to Boober. And I was like, I can't believe I'm talking to like my favorite Muppet, which is Gonzo. It's like <laughs> and it was just like you just had moments like that where we're normal with the norm. Yeah. Yeah. And and it kind of raised the bar for me for like the rest of my life was like, wow. Like I kind of feel like my life has just kind of been like that. Like just sort of coming across amazing 
people, <laughs> you know, right. that inspired me. And I just felt really grateful and appreciative of all of it. <laughs> yeah. Cause when I interviewed Dan Haskett, he was talking about um, how, you know, when he like pre pandemic working at Warner brothers and like all the like younger people were like scared to go talk to him. And it's like, come talk to me. I'm not, I'm a normal person. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like if I if I ever go to a thing, like I'll actually sp- I get asked to speak a lot in mm-hmm. different various schools and stuff, and I'll see like between whatever beforehand or after I'll see students like, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, come on over, what's up, how you doing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or I go to the um the Ottawa Animation Festival a lot, and um mm-hmm. and a lot of times I'll see. I mean, it's not like I'm I'm not like famous or anything, but someone will say. <laughs> that's Pilar over there. Like she worked on this TV show, that TV show, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I'll be like, I'll see like a student just kind of standing there like, and I'm like, you can come over. It's okay. I remember once for like actually two or three days, every time I turned around, there was this girl just kind of standing there like, and then she would like, run. And then so finally I caught her long enough. I was like, I was like, hi. I'm like, hey, what's your name? And she's like, I was just working up the nerve to come say hi to you. And, and I was like, you know, and, and it was just, I love it. So I totally yeah. see where Dan's coming from. Uh-huh. If you ever talk to him again, tell him I said hi. Okay, I will. I, I met him a few times. I, don't, I doubt he'd remember me, but he, I, I think he's amazing. I'm sure he knows about you. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. We crossed paths like 20 years ago, like a really long time ago. You got a film and animation degree from RISD. Uh, what made you get a master's degree? I just decided um, it was time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I've actually had people give me grief, like, Pilar, why, why, why did you get a degree in visual narrative? Why not animation? Mm-hmm. And so I remember um, I was at a party, an Asifa party, and another animator, I will not... I won't say their name, but they were like, Pilar, what? How come you're not in grad school for animation? And she literally chased me around the party saying, why? You could have majored in animation. I was like, well, oh, wow. Look at the time. I have to go over there now and get a drink. And But she was like, I don't understand why. And then I got a drink. I was like, wow. Oh, my God. I think somebody's waving at me. And like, she just wouldn't drop it so i was finally like because i am already know how to animate i don't really want to spend a hundred thousand dollars to learn how to do something i already know how to do so i wanted to go for visual narrative which is basically creative writing and illustration actually Mm -hmm. visual narrative could be a narrative anything that's visual it could be interpretive dance you know Mm -hmm. and um it was amazing and i just feel like my my creative practice has like, like, um, gotten a thousand times better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never felt so inspired, you know, and, um, I just felt like it was time. Um, I'm, I'm in that infamous class that graduated in 2020. Mm. So of course we had to, we had to finish out, uh, our, we had to finish out our, our time there online, but I feel really yeah. lucky that we were able to get into two full years in person before we have to finish out online. Yeah. Because I have uh, friends after me that had to basically do their whole entire first two years 
online. And I feel like that first year is like really important. And my classmates and I got really close. Yeah. And we're all still really close. We actually, we still, we all talk all the time and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. And it led to some really cool opportunities too. <laughs> I felt like what you did was logical. Cause like I have a degree in film and animation. And if I was to get a master's, which I don't think I will ever get a master's, but like, I would definitely get it in something different. Like, why would I do the same thing? Like, I have a degree. I have my bachelor's in that. Why would I do it again? (laughs) And then you could actually take what you already know and combine it with the things that you're learning, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm thinking, you know? And I'm actually, like, working on a couple of films right now, like, one of which I'm hoping to be done in by spring. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Yeah, that's so, so yeah, that's, that's like something like, you know, you know, fingers crossed. That's my goal by May. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I know um, your parents were supportive of your artistic endeavors. In what ways were they supportive? Just because they they just immediately saw that I had potential and Mm -hmm. they just like, you know, signed me up for art classes. Uh, And then another art class, like, my mom signed me up for a uh, um, a cartooning class at Pratt when I was in junior high school. That was amazing. And then, then um, also at Pratt, a portfolio class, uh, so I can get into, um, so I can get my portfolio going for to get into LaGuardia High School Performing Arts, which is AKA the Fame School. If anybody <laughs> New, York, New Yorkers out there, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like, for every one of my birthdays, like, my dad bought me art supplies. And it was just, like, I just felt really supported, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool. And then, um, you know, and then, like, when I applied for RISD, it was kind of a no-brainer for both of my parents. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think I I saw a video where you even mentioned when you went to LaGuardia that they they taught you how to be an independent, like, animator or, like, artist. Yeah, actually, LaGuardia, they, they, they... at LaGuardia High School, they like fully encourage your vision. And that's, I think that's what like made the school really unique. It's it's like they taught you how to paint and paint, color, illustrate. <laughs> and and they also encourage you, okay, be your own self. And then when I went on to Rhode Island School of Design, I um was majoring in animation and they said, well, first of all, we're not, here to teach you how to be an animator mm-hmm. we're we're here to teach you to be an animator but we're also here to teach you how to make a film mm-hmm. so will you come out of here being like really good at animating the flower sack and the bouncing ball <laughs> and all that you know we're not here if you came here to just learn how to do that stuff you're in the wrong place like you mm-hmm. but if you want to know how to do a film then you're, you're in the right place and I felt really good because ever since then, like I, I know from from start to finish how to develop storyboard and animate a film. Even though I learned traditionally, I know how to, you know, I know where to start. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times people will know how to animate, but it's 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 not enough to learn how to animate. You know, it's like, do you know how to do a film? <laughs> you know? Right. How far is Rhode Island from the city? It's a by bus, about four and a half hours. So, so like, this is basically straight shot up like I ninety five. Like, so if you're going from New York mm-hmm. to Rhode Island, it's like you're going north. 
Mm-hmm. And if you hit was there any just, culture shock? Like any culture shock with the difference between growing up in New York City and like going to school in Rhode Island? You know, it took me a long time to appreciate Providence. I love that city so much now. Like Mm -hmm. when I first got there, I was like, wow, like every city, because I was going to school in a city, not like I wasn't on a campus with a football field and Mm -hmm. all that. I was basically like in, in a town, in a city. It's mm-hmm. a city campus, but it's like you're in, but it's still like compared to New York City, it feels very quaint. Like it kind of feels yeah. like Brooklyn. Like it feels like quaint, but compared to everything you have, it was like, wow, like everything closes at seven or six and certain things are like that you normally expect to be open, like a grocery store or something. Everything closes at seven or, you know, um, but it's like Providence is, it, it was a culture shock because of, because it def- definitely had like a small town vibe compared to New York City. Yeah. But but then I started to fall in love with the city. You know, I just really started to appreciate it because it's such a quirky city. Mm-hmm. It has this weird little traditions. It's like the only place that you could buy, uh, it's the only place that you could buy coffee milk. Do you know what coffee milk is? <laughs> no. <laughs> coffee milk is like chocolate milk. It's like, but it's coffee flavored syrup. And this company, yeah, this company in Providence in Rhode is based in Rhode Island. Uh, it's called uh, Autocrat. They're the only company in the United States that makes coffee flavored milk. <laughs> cool. I love it. <laughs> there was definitely some culture shock though. But then by the time I was done, I was like, I don't want to leave. I want to stay. Like if I had gotten a job, I would have stayed. Mm-hmm. I like I would have I wanted to stay there like I hated returning back to Brooklyn you know yeah and, you know it was that was a culture shock too <laughs> returning yeah yeah because I, I kind of pictured myself staying there and like mm-hmm. living in Providence or Boston and like staying mm-hmm. there and like not having to come home and move back in with my parents <laughs> yeah. it, that was definitely a culture shock yeah reverse culture shock right um so I'm gonna um list some projects uh that you've worked on yeah. the point of this is like you know uh some of our favorite things growing up uh was worked on by people who look like us <laughs> so well, i love it i love it um is is this accurate on your imdb the sesame street assistant editor at animator i worked on um some stuff that w- appeared on sesame street mm-hmm. so um this was all part of there's just the amazing uh where the amazing animator john dilworth who's studio stretch films so with john dilworth and stretch films i worked on six noodles and ned shorts which is john dilworth's mm-hmm. noodles and ned characters mm-hmm. some of you that are a little younger that might sound familiar to you but i worked on six of them like six of these one minute shorts and mm-hmm. i learned so much mm-hmm. i learned um i learned how to take storyboards and do layout from them. I learned how to take layouts from the director and with notes. And uh, I learned how to, you know, work from director's notes and create something coherent. Mm-hmm. And the amazing thing about him working with John is that he would give you like a scene to animate or in between. And he would say, okay, you know, get it accurate, get it right. But you could still put like your own self into it um mm-hmm. 
it, he didn't like micromanage like every frame. I, I kind of just felt like I was free to just kind of be myself. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what he encouraged, you know, like he's amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog as a storyboard artist. Yeah, I would say, um, so I started off as a prop designer and then I moved on. I was poached by the storyboard department as a storyboard revisionist. And, um, mm -hmm. and uh, actually after I was working on the Noodles and Ned Shorts uh, with Stretch Films, we were like in a tiny studio. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, you know, guess what? Like I got uh, my short film that, um, by the way, today is the, I believe today, we are at the um, we are at the 1996, yeah, the anniversary of uh, Courage of Cowardly Dog and the Chicken uh, from Outer Space premiered on Cartoon Network today in 1996. I, I hope I got that right. Nice. Um, and so today <laughs> is February 22nd. I hope I got that right, but it was give or take. And so his short film. Uh, premiered on Cartoon Network, and it got nominated for an Oscar. Nice. So what was really amazing because he was like up against like he was up against Nick Park, like mm -hmm. and the uh, and the and Nick Park, the wrong trousers. Like he was up, he was actually like nominated, and because it was on Cartoon Network, but it also was an independent film. Yeah. So by the time I came into the picture, it was already sort of like sort of like, I guess, it, I don't know if I'm using the right terminology, so if he hears this, forgive me, John, but like in talks and mm -hmm. prepping to be turned into a TV series, like Cartoon mm -hmm. Network. So there I was, an um, animator, like uh, like first gig out of college, you know, I was, you know, working freelance and John was like, he's so generous, like he has such a big heart, like in terms of, you know, showing, showing like what he, um, excuse me, um, showing what he does and teaching you what he knows and stuff. So um, he said, what would you like to do on the show? And then I was like, whatever you'll have before. He says, I, he says, okay, you know, and then they put me in prop design because I wasn't mm -hmm. that experienced yet. Yeah. So what was amazing about prop design is that it was a really great position to like learn on uh and um and then he brought in uh amazing uh design supervisor tim chi lee who's like still my dear friend and i learned so much from him mm -hmm. he said he said who turned in these character turnarounds are not very good i said oh yeah that's pilar i said i'll put her in prop design so <laughs> he says if i tell him that he says i don't i don't remember saying that like <laughs> but um and i learned so much because every time you had to uh design a prop like they would hand you a storyboard and you have to pick out anything in your section of storyboard that they give you you just have to pick out anything that's not anim that's not a character that moves mm -hmm. so that could be an object that can be a door slamming shut that could be a, a glass or a cup or but everything was different at one point my my very very first assignment they were having a food fight mm -hmm. with Bigfoot and the food fight I had to design they were throwing fruit back and forth and the fruit kept landing in different shapes mm -hmm. so at one point the fruit landed in the shape of Napoleon another point 
it landed in the shape of the Eiffel Tower, then it landed in the shape of the Statue of Liberty, then it landed in the shape of an elephant. And they said, okay, um, your very first assignment, you have to design fruit Napoleon, fruit Statue of Liberty, fruit elephant. I was like, I did not know what I had just gotten myself into. This was my first assignment. It was like, how do I? And I learned so much. It's like, and then the next thing I had is a cat's motel. Okay, we ha you have to design a bunch of spiders. I was drawing spiders for two weeks. <laughs> and and then um everything that that you had to do was different like mm -hmm. like nothing was you just never knew what was, what was gonna get thrown at you it was amazing so then like the storyboard uh supervisor uh uh also my dear friend bob miller like realized hey one day i i didn't have anything to do for a few minutes and he was like Pilar, like i'm kind of in a bind could you just like could you just just give me the storyboard panel real quick? And I was like, well, mm -hmm. sure. And it did it, gave it to me. And then he said, hey, you're really, I just noticed that you're really good at drawing small. You're really good at storyboard. You pick up, I was like, I was like, oh, thanks. You know, next thing you know, he was like asking, we need Polar. Can we just poach her? Like, Tim was like grudgingly like, you just like, you just took one of my designers. Fine. You know, so I just became a story, story, storyboard revisionist. And, uh, you know, we would, and what that means is like, we get in storyboards from all these amazing artists from all around the country um, and stack of storyboards. But the thing is, is like, then you have to go through the storyboards and put everything on, on model mm -hmm. because we're the last line of defense before these storyboards get sent overseas to get animated. So everything had to right. look really accurate. Yeah. So a lot of times you'll see storyboards and they look really like 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 sketchy and like rough and stuff, which is mostly how storyboards look. Yeah. But in this case, because layout was not done in house, the storyboards were the layouts. Yeah. Because then they would have to have take the panel and blow it up to the size of twelve field animation paper and then work off that. Everything had to be really, really, really accurate. Yeah, I've had storyboards sent back to me and say like, "You put the wrong number of dots on his muzzle." Like, like so they really, and I said, "Well, can't they? Um, wouldn't they look at the um, the the model pack as well?" And they said, um, "No, that um, they they would work off the model pack, but everything has to be as accurate as possible. If you have a wrong number of dots, they're gonna think that's like part of the model." I was like, "I understand." So you had to just be. I learned so much because everything had to be as accurate as possible. And it got to the point where we were like redoing entire sequences and, mm -hmm. and so much so that in the gods must be goosey, the episode from season one, where a goose God falls in love with Muriel. I mm -hmm. got storyboard credit in the opening credits, like storyboarded nice. by JP Tillard and Pilar Newton. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was like, Oh yeah, I got a storyboard credit like for main storyboard. Cause I did so much storyboard work on that show. Like I got like main credit. I, I kind of like John was probably just like, what I love so much about John Doworth is that he, it's like, he's, he can be like really strict and say, um, mm -hmm. you know, you're doing it wrong. You know, like he's really mm -hmm. hard on you, but he um, always wants to give care uh, the artist props. Mm -hmm. So he'll say like, you know, he was probably, you know, even like on, I've worked on independent stuff with him later and, and he always made sure like he could just put like animated by stretch films and leave it at that. But he always made sure I worked on some stuff for Ted Ed with him and he always made sure um, your name is listed in the credit, like even so it's searchable on the Ted Ed website. And yeah. And I, I, 
I was like, wow, I thought that was like really cool. Just always wanting to give care artist props because he remembers what it was like to come up also. So it was just so great. Sorry, I know I can yeah. go on and on about that. I was I was watching your Play-Doh one. Oh yeah, that was really fun. Like that's that's John's and I uh, assistant animated that and mm -hmm. and that, that was really great. That was fun. Like, I had like a week to do it to work on. Mm -hmm. Oh wow. So John just gave me all this layouts and stuff. It's like, oh my god, we have a week. <laughs> it was crazy. But it was, I learned a lot working on that. <laughs> you also did layout for Daria. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was really that was really fun, Daria. Um I learned so much on that. That was like MTV, you know. Mm -hmm. That was like my I had been trying for years to get into MTV and I kept getting turned mm. down and finally like this opened up. I was like, ah. So I worked on season four of Daria, like layout mm -hmm. artist, and um, and that was really fun again with layout. And this was, I was on the first season where it was colored digitally. Mm -hmm. The seasons before me, it was, everything was like inked onto cells and paint, hand painted. So I was, I worked on the first season where it was, uh, the animation was inked and then it was like colored, scanned in and colored digitally. And, um, and that was really cool. And I was even in an episode because um, you had to populate the town and the school Mm -hmm. And you had so many characters that you have to populate street scenes and or hallway scenes where they where the characters are walking down the hallway. You start the the designers start running out of ideas. You know, you, there's only so many ideas you have. So like there was teen versions. Everyone in the whole crew, yeah, had a teen version of themselves. So I was in a street scene. I'm probably in a few scenes, but mm -hmm. you could see me in the background in I Loathe the Parade um, and. I guess I don't know if you could tell it's me, but I'm I'm a, I'm in the street. That scene, that episode in particular, you could see me in the background. Mm -hmm. So it's really funny when you're doing layout and you have to draw yourself. Right. <laughs> On model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I didn't have any uh, speaking part. I almost had a speaking part on Courage and Cowardly Dog. I always tell this story that on the Great mm -hmm. Fusilli, the episode where this crocodile kind of character he, he had a, a puppet tent he was sort of like a stromboli from pinocchio kind of character and but he would go around and he would turn people into puppets and mm -hmm. so at one point i was actually supposed to come alive like as a puppet and then turn into a bomb at one point i'm supposed to say you're all gonna die you're all gonna die you're all doomed and i was but um the, i ended up on the editing room floor but you could see <laughs> Me in the background, I'm still in an episode. Like you could see my dead, lifeless wooden corpse, like on the floor. Like, and I, I don't know how, like, my students are always able to find it. I, I don't know. Um, but you could see I'm in the background of the great facility, like one of the scenes. You could see me for like a second. Yeah. <laughs> and you're a storyboard artist for, for Rocket Power. Okay. Yeah. Now, which I, I loved. I loved Rocket Power. <laughs> oh God, I love Rocket Power so much. Um, I actually worked on storyboard for one episode, and it was mm -hmm. because they were trying out like sending storyboards out remotely, and um, mm -hmm. and one of my storyboards actually made it onto an episode. Nice. And then nine eleven happened, and and then everybody mm. kind of got a little skittish about spending money. <laughs> yeah. But I get to have like a credit. But then what happened was my 
storyboard, you know, I, I found out through the grapevine that uh, Nickelodeon Creative Resources here in New York City was uh, hiring storyboard art, uh, sorry, hiring artists to work on children's books. Mm-hmm. And, and so one day I just kind of walked into the office just cold with my mm-hmm. portfolio and I said, hey, is, are you, are you testing, are you testing for storyboard? Are you, you know, because if you say you're testing for storyboard, they'll actually give you a storyboard test. I'm sorry, children's books. Are you testing for children's book? And they'll mm-hmm. g- actually give you like an art test. So it's like seeing how well and dynamic what you draw the characters. And I, that's the first time I ever did that where I just walked into an office. Yeah. Poor, uh, you know, with my uh, with my portfolio in my hand, literally like on print. Yeah. And like one of those books. And and actually the the lady behind the desk was like, actually we are. And she said, hold on a minute. And she came up with like a big manila envelope. She said, here you go. Like, uh, could you do, could you hand it back in? In a week, I was like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, like I didn't think that would work. <laughs> and it usually doesn't, by the way, like FYI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I did it and I actually got like, uh, approved, uh, you know, um, and it didn't hurt that I had rocket power storyboards in my portfolio as well. And yeah, and actually like the, I, it could have been for any Nickelodeon property, but it just so happens that they were gearing up to do rocket power, uh, children's books. Yeah. And the art director like really dug what I was doing. And, mm-hmm. and I actually, uh, worked on, um, five, five books. I illustrate and and the great thing about what I love telling people when I speak mm-hmm. is um when you do when you do children's books or anything anything that involves drawing nothing's off the table. Mm-hmm. You know like you know um don't just go into it saying oh I just I want to be an animator. Mm-hmm. That's that's not enough. Be good at everything. And like yeah. so John Dilworth I learned this from John he said be a renaissance artist. I said what does that mean? He said be good at everything mm-hmm. and you stand that much more chance of getting a job. So in animation, for instance, be good at storyboard, be good at design, be good at layout, be good at, uh, you know, you be good at animation, but you know, but be good at everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, be good at, you know, adapting to different styles and drawing characters. And you could do stuff like work on illustration and children's books and, I do a lot of like licensed character art, uh, you know, because I'm 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 good at like adapting. So I've done like Scooby Doo licensed character art, product mm-hmm. art. I've done product art for like Frosty the Snowman and mm-hmm. SpongeBob SquarePants. The whole the season two DVD of SpongeBob SquarePants, it, like all of the uh, package art I, I painted. Nice. Like they gave me. Um, I was actually given um, existing art like in black and white. And then, uh, and then I just p- painted everything in like this, like dry brush style. And mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of proud. Of it. I still have, I still don't have a copy of it. Maybe I should get it. <laughs> yeah. But anything that involves drawing that you can do, it's like nothing's mm-hmm. off the table. And then, you know, even like, listen, like teaching. Yeah. You know, you, you like doing, uh, animation. You like, you like drawing as you could also teach drawing, you know? Mm-hmm. Not everybody wants to do that, and I don't. I don't blame people. But like, mm-hmm. like teaching, it's a, it's pretty, pretty cool, and I learned that pretty early on. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
like it's funny um kind of to talk about when people ask you like what is your like favorite animated project and i'm just like it's impossible like there's like the era of looney tunes and then there's like um like Hanna barbera and then there's like the the, the 90s and then there's like the 80s and there's like the 2000s yeah. like rocket power and weekenders and like why how do why are oh, you making me choose oh, <laughs> like, i remember that show weekenders weekend and recess oh my god yeah recess. I, I kind of felt like weekenders was such a good show they were sort of trying to be like rocket power a little bit because they you know yeah. they skated and yeah. but it had its own vibe uh, and recess, I love recess like that. I love the fact that like everything is like this whole world where every episode takes place during recess. Yeah. <laughs> and did you ever see the recess uh, the movie? I maybe. <laughs> I think. So. Yeah, there's a there's a movie. I think it's you could. I think it's viewable. I think it's on. Mm -hmm. I believe it's on Disney Plus. Oh, I didn't see. It. I don't. And know it's it's. Such a good show. I know. It, it is. It took just me so a many while. different eras of animation. I'm like, why are you making me choose yeah. one? That doesn't. I know. And sense. then there's Phineas <laughs> and Ferb. Phineas yes. and Ferb. Oh, by the way, Google uh, Phineas Front View. Like, there's a there's like a hashtag where it's all like Phineas seen from Front View because mm -hmm. he's like 100 meant to be viewed from three quarter. Like, yeah. <laughs> but as as is Bart Simpson, by the way. Like, if you also if you Google like Bart front view mm -hmm. is it's it's like widely believed that like a lot of characters just don't look good from front view so it, they always they found all the screenshots like it's really funny random fun <laughs> fact check it out yes and then <laughs> um you've done a lot of stuff i'll kind of go through from your eye to be captain cornea's cartoons cartoon lagoon the kodak project paley whaley Beaches himself, who am I? A philosophical inquiry, the magical mystery of, I don't know how to say that word, Musigny. Oh, yeah, Musigny. That's like, a, <laughs> I gotta give a shout out to my uh, director friend, Emmett Goodman, who directed uh -huh. that for a friend of his, a, a colleague of his who's a sommelier who wanted, just said, mm. I wanna do a film about wine. Nice. And um, some of the designs on it were like so beautiful. I just like, wanted to weep. I was like, this is really great. And I also wanted to just give a uh, shout out to uh, my producer friend, uh, Jose Maldonado. I love you, Jose. Like he's amazing. So that's that's what uh, Paley Whaley is. Um, mm -hmm. And actually check out Paley Whaley because like this um, guy did a film uh, mm -hmm. in the nineties about a whale that, that gets beached and then he just, has all these adventures on land and that's what Paley Whaley is and and then this is sort of like the second one where Paley Whaley ends up at Coney Island somehow and it actually got into the Coney Island Film Festival. Nice. So that was really cool and uh so you know Jose's awesome and so is Emmett and I love both of them so much and they're my animation <laughs> ride or dies both of them. <laughs> and then uh POV the lady and the tiger and Adrian. That's all that's on your um on your IMDb currently. What happened was there there's a feature length documentary. Mm -hmm. And um let me just rewind and say like so um my um amazing director friend uh Richard O'Connor, um mm -hmm. his company, uh Ace and Sons Moving Picture Company. Um so do you know are you familiar with StoryCore or what StoryCore is? Yes, yeah. I like their animated adaptations <laughs> yeah stories. so i know like the the roush brothers started off doing uh a few and then mm -hmm. um 
Uh, my amazing animator friend Gina Kamensky did a couple of a few. And um, after a while, I started getting calls from my friend Richard O'Connor and I go like way back to like, I was coming in as a freelance animator doing stuff for Ink Tank and we were animating, um, they were doing animation for like Between the Lions and um, mm. and if you're young enough, you remember that show. And actually my dear friend and colleague, uh, it's Chris Surf. That is, that's his baby. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, so fast forward to like, um, you know, a few years ago, uh, Richard O'Connor um, just out of the blue hit me up and said, hey, you know, we're doing some story cores. You wanna, are you, are you on board? And I said, yeah, and I was really busy. I'm usually busy with like three or four projects. And, um, but I said, you know, throw me some scenes. And so he, um, whenever he works on stuff, it's always a joy because I, you know, it's maybe about 1% of the time that I'll get a retake sent back to me because he just lets you just be yourself. I mean, obviously if it has to, what I do has to be good, <laughs> but mm -hmm. he just lets you just throw your own flourishes in. He lets you be yourself. He lets you animate. He'll just give you like the first frame and the length and say, okay, animate this. Yeah. You know, and like animating, uh, doing animation with him is just a joy because it's just, I just get to stretch my animation muscles and just have fun at the same time. Um, mm -hmm. We just recently did a, a story core. Uh, I guess I'm not going to say the title because it's not out yet, but mm -hmm. I ran into him over the summer and he said, Polar, do, do you have time to um, animate on something? And I said, um, could you just throw me a couple of scenes that I could do in a weekend? Because I'm really, I'm about to start teaching again. I don't have a lot of time, you know. He said, sure. And he looked really shifty. He said, okay, no problem. <laughs> and I was like, oh boy, I got a little nervous. I was like, what's going on? A couple of days later, he sent me, he says, Pilar, you know, we just decided, you know, it's, I think it's just easier for me to just give you the whole thing to animate. <laughs> and I said, how is that easier? Just explain <laughs> how is that easier? Because... He says, well, because, you know, you have all the way until November and, and you know, you could just like animate the whole thing, like all the way through. And I was just like, how? So I was just like, sure. And, and then, um, and then the second I said, okay, then like my, you know, a whole lot of like family emergencies happened all at the same time. And I didn't touch mm -hmm. it for like a month. I was like, and then I went to Ottawa. And yeah. then I see him in Ottawa at the Ottawa Animation Festival. I'm like, Richard, I'm working on your animation. I hadn't touched it at that point. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Ugh. he's like, oh yeah, that's great. I'm putting out, I'm putting out a bunch of fires on my end anyway. Like, oh great, I can't wait. You know, but I powered through, and I, I just, I, in my opinion, I feel like I did a great job, and he's mm -hmm. amazing. But um, the one, uh, one thing that's really, um, really interesting one was like uh, about God, I guess a little over a year ago. No, no, this is like, God, two, a year and a half ago. He said, uh, Pilar, could you um, animate a couple of scenes? And he gave me like a good kind of lengthy little chunk of a couple of scenes. I was like, well, sure. And this was like, we were still in lockdown. It was a pandemic. I was like working out of a cabin in upstate New York. It was pretty amazing. And and he, um, he says, it's a project uh, about uh, a, a a documentary about actress Adrienne Shelley. Are you familiar with that story? It's like really like sad story about this uh, amazing like the actress uh, who wrote uh, Waitress, mm -hmm. the uh, writer, uh, 
who wrote Waitress the play, and she was uh, uh, the musical, I mean, and she was murdered. And so um, I actually animated a scene in which her daughter is like coming to terms with the fact that her mother's not coming home. And it was like really deep. And actually, and I actually thought when I was working on it, I actually thought it was going to be, um, it was a, a story core for a story core. That didn't make it any less, you know, mm-hmm. but important or anything, but I did, you know, my, you know, animate it, et cetera, et cetera. Then my friend Emmett, who's also working at said, hey, Polar, how do you feel about the fact that you worked on a feature documentary? I was like, wait, what are you talking about? Like this, <laughs> the, the Adrian project? He's, he said, yeah, yeah, like, how, how do you, I was like, I thought that was like StoryCorps. I thought that was like a short, like he's like, no, no, it's a feature film. He's like, I was like, wait, what? I didn't know that. Like, and I'm kind of glad I didn't know because I would have been more nervous as I animated, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but, and then next thing you know, and actually recently, like I have friends hit me up on Facebook saying, hey, I'm like watching this like feature documentary about actress Adrian Shelley's tragic story. Uh, but I'm seeing your name in the credits. I was like, wait, what? I didn't... <laughs> And I was like, that's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. so that was just like a really long shout out to my friend, Richard O'Connor. He's, he's, he's just doing amazing stuff. It's all. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like honored to be a part of this stuff. I, you know? I, I think I was interviewing Gary Anthony Williams and he was talking about, he was working on a project and he thought, I can't remember what property it was, but essentially he thought, it was a movie and then they kept like bringing him into the studio to do voice acting. He's like, why, do y'all keep messing up? Like, why do I keep coming? And then he's, and then they're asking him like, oh, so what do you think about like being on a TV show? It's like, oh, that was a TV show. <laughs> he didn't uh, even know. He just like, why do y'all keep calling me back in for this voice? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then they were just doing like, wait, wait, wait more. Oh, just cause like- No, just, like he just, he just was confused. Like it was always a TV show, but he just uh, didn't know. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Oh my so god, it's funny to hear stories like that where they're like, where people were just like, "Oh, I thought I was doing something different." <laughs> like, oh, I know. It's like it's really funny. Like I almost, I kind of slipped and I said, "Um, I said, hey, Richard, if I had known it was a a, a feature documentary, and then I just like stopped." He says, "What? You would have like animated better or something?" I was like, "No, that's not what I was gonna say." But I actually was about to say that. <laughs> but he's like, oh, so you mean to tell me that you animated crappily because you thought it was, I was like, no, 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 that's literally not what I was going to say. I was like dying laughing. I was like, no, 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 no. But I slipped because like actually instinctually, I was like, if I had known, I was like, no, wait, that's not what I was going to say. Anyway, I was laughing. But he totally like was totally messing with me. It was great. <laughs> I love it. Can you talk more about um, the opportunities you've gotten to work as a director and your personal projects? <clears throat> Yeah, actually, my um, thanks. My first directing gig, actually, my very first directing gig was mm-hmm. uh, a Listerine. Uh, actually, I, I I went into a studio called Treehouse, mm-hmm. um, and they brought me in for my very first directing gig. Uh, God, this was two thousand six, and I was directing a a special Listerine ad that was on a like a five minute Listerine ad that was on the comes on a bottle. This mouth rinse that's actually been discontinued i had nothing to do that with that folks but it was this document uh, it's not sorry this um mouthwash called agent cool blue look it up like k-o-o-l agent cool blue and it got um 
I don't know why it got discontinued. And I actually uh, designed uh, and directed and storyboarded this whole like documentary. Uh, I keep saying documentary. I'm sorry. Listerine uh, ads. So that was really interesting and eye opening. Like my mm-hmm. one of my first jobs, I had to one of my first duties, I had to fire someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I actually had a um, uh, never hire your friends, guys. So I hired someone, and he kind of just sort of didn't really uh rise to the challenge let's put it that way and mm-hmm. and then like my the my director who was like my boss who directed mm-hmm. me while i directed the animation was like listen um you have to let him go because we're not gonna get done either you fire him or we do mm-hmm. and it was like the kid and old yeller who has to put down the dog is like I hate, oh my God, I'm, I just compared an animator to a dog. But now, you know, yours, like, it's your dog, you put him down. It's like, so it's like, it's your friend, you you have to fire him. Just, <laughs> and then I sat him down and I said, uh, we got to let you go. He says, I was kind of expecting that. I was like, you were? Like, then why did you keep doing a crappy job? You know, like, you know it was like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't feel good. And then, but, um, everything I learned and my amazing co-workers were amazing. Like we had like the amazing Otis Brayboy, like he came mm-hmm. on, he was a background, background designer. And, and that was actually the first time that I worked directly with him yeah. on a project. Like he was over on like, I think Doug and Beavis and, but we kept missing one another. Yeah. But he did some stuff on uh, Courage of Cowardly Dogs. So actually that's not true. I take it back. He, he was on there, but, um, uh, it was the first time I worked directly with uh, the awesome Christy Bertelson. Uh, mm-hmm. who, she and I always just find a way, always follow one another on our careers. We yeah. both ended up at City College, uh, not, we both ended up at the School of Visual Arts mm-hmm. teaching, both teaching animation. Uh, and uh, speaking of which, I got to hit her up. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, actually, um, I started getting good at uh, Flash, excuse me, Adobe Anime. <laughs> and I just started like working on my own stuff. And, um, you know, what's really amazing. I did, uh, I did a graphic novel, uh, over, over the pandemic. I did a graphic novel. It was also part of my studies. And so you remember when I told you when I was eight years old and I was obsessed with the Smurfs, mm-hmm. I started coming up with my own characters called Snozzle Links. And this, this is something I created when I was eight. Mm-hmm. And I just filled up notebooks with adventures with these creatures they have like they're green and they have elephant noses and and i just wanted to come up with something that was like sort of a creature that had this adventures and and actually that's uh one of them in the background nice <laughs> one of my one of my students actually surprised me and did a doll so the amazing kayla solomon look her up she's amazing awesome mm-hmm. animator she's actually directing a bunch of stuff um, so I did a graphic novel based on those characters in 2020 and that ended up being my thesis and I'm just kind of like expanding on that world, you know, I'm actually mm-hmm. doing more, uh, and I'm kind of waiting for, I would love to, it to reach a wider audience, you know, mm-hmm. the main, the main character is black, like Stella is, a, a girl that lives in Brooklyn and enters a enters a hidden portal in the middle of Brooklyn that's in what may or may not be Prospect Park. And it's very <laughs> Brooklyn. And she ends up in this 
world and 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 that is not brooklyn you know so we have one of those total we're not in kansas anymore moments and yeah this was pretty cool and and of course there's so many stories like that now right like about Mm -hmm. the the magical girl no the girl goes to a magical world and so whatever i'm doing is like it's hardly you know it's hardly original but like Mm -hmm. you know i was kind of doing it mostly for me you know Mm-hmm. And so now, like the, in the next story, the Snozzle Wings are coming to our world. So I'm, I'm kind of working on, I'm kind of excited about that. And um, I'm actually, finally, I'm working on uh, two films. And uh, one of them is sort of like, not a cheerful film. One of them is a metaphor for slowing down. And it's also the end of civilization. Really mm-hmm. cheerful stuff, right? Like people like, like, Pilar, why are you, you're like Miss Bubbly Cheerful. Like, why are you doing a film about like the end of civilization and like mm-hmm. and because i was like well it's not that i want to do a film about the end of civilization but for a very short time we did watch civilization and temporarily mm-hmm. because of the pandemic and then everybody is a metaphor for slowing down and what happens when you slow down i have um so many uh people i know that during lockdown uh, is your and then people quarantined for a year some people didn't leave their apartment for two years you know um, and during that time, people that were perfectly healthy, I kind of feel like health, uh, uh, when you stop, that's when health issues kind of come to the forefront, health issues that existed already, Yeah, you know? And I, I remember, um, uh, my, my 10th grade watercolor teacher, Miss Dell, who I'm still very close with. Mm-hmm. She said, never retire, Polar. I was like, what do you mean? She said, never retire. Because the second you retire, that's when you stop. And then mm-hmm. that's when like health issues start to happen. I was like, wow, that stayed with me. And that's then, what happens to like yeah. generals when they retire from the military. They like soon die. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. And that's that's what this is a metaphor for. It's like kind of like very mm-hmm. abstract, but it's like a metaphor for slowing down. And that's really interesting. And I, this is a, a little idea that came to me like 10 years ago and I kind of jotted it down and forgot about it. And then it just felt like it resonated more now after the pandemic and like all these visuals and ideas started coming to me. So it's crazy. And then the next, um, uh, the the one that I'm doing that's sort of like, I'm doing a series of like meta, um, I'm doing a series of memoir animations that I just have so many stories that I want to tell. And so I'm just, doing a series of little one minute, one to two minute like memoir animations. I just want to do a bunch of them. And I, I want to finish a couple of them up by the spring, by like April, May, uh, because that's when, uh, you know, um, s- s- a film festival, animation festival submission season. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the animation festivals are open at that time. So I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I'll get something into a festival. We'll see. <laughs> So we'll see. Yeah. So um, when you've had like full-time jobs, you would still do work on the side. How did that benefit you throughout your career, particularly when you were working at the bigger studios? Oh, like oh, how did it be- how did working a full-time job in a studio benefit? No, like you would have full-time jobs, but you would do side gigs and your coworkers would make fun of you for having side gigs. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, thank you. Oh, man, that's a Oh, man, you really did your research. Holy cow. Okay, so, um, you know, okay, so I was, for instance, um, I, I'm going to leave names out. <laughs> I'm going to leave names out, but there was a, a studio uh, in 2005. I was working on a show 
mm-hmm. and really amazing coworkers and everything. I was a storyboard revisionist on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, it was for Disney. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were like really busy. Like we were such a great crew, like um, story, our little storyboard revisionist bubble and down the hall, you had the animators and around the corner, you had the designers and it was just so great. And, but I was still like taking on like two, one to two gigs. I was illustrating children's books. I would like work a full day then go home, work until 2 a.m., set my alarm and come in and rinse and repeat. And my coworkers were like, make it like, Pilar, you know, you know, you're always taking on gigs. You know, you work full time now. You don't have to take on gigs. And I was like, I will never stop taking on side gigs because I always feel like I have to keep going or I won't survive. So sure enough, uh, one day and not sure enough, I wasn't expecting anything like just to happen. They called a a meeting and they said, sorry, the um, project got pulled and we're um, uh, you all have to go home. And for some reason, the Disney pulled the plug on us and it wasn't anything. Well, it wasn't me specifically. It was like the whole studio. And, and everybody, you know, there are people that were like, we we're just, okay, let's, let's go get drunk, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? And then there were people that were like, you know, I felt bad. And then there, everybody was, some people went for range from, oh, well, like time to hit the pavement again. And some people yeah. were crying, you know, me, I still had like so many irons in the fire. I, I actually had like a, um, a children's book I was working on where I was making 30 grand from doing like. 10 drawings and and nice. I was also doing outside freelance uh, for an animation studio uh and I I still had like so much going on you know that I just was like okay you know th- this is I feel really bad about this but I gotta I have other work to do so I had stuff yeah. going on I always had irons in the fire you know mm-hmm. and even now I'm an assistant professor I'm full-time but I'm I, I'm still working on uh, films. Like I'm still like I would never stop animating. I'm uh, and illustrating, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited. You know, I'm excited to see where like the next trajectory for me is, like my own work and what I'm gonna get out there next of of my own stuff. Because one thing that I'm really frustrated about is I don't really have a lot to show for the from the last ten years, for instance, of mm-hmm. my own work. Right. I have a lot to show of stuff that I've worked on for other people, but I don't have a lot to show for my own work. And I plan to change that. So I'm really excited about it. What the future has to hold. Something that I don't let hold me back, but I know is the reason that my channel isn't as popular as it could be, is not having that big studio behind my name and title, like Deborah Anderson, insert big studio 3D modeler. So what have you learned over the years in your career as a freelance animation professional and what would you like to share with others regarding that you know honestly like um i i know the feeling like for instance like if i put up a clip or film like i or or something i worked on you know if you go to my youtube channel like my the independent film i did in 2000 uh in 2008 i want to say like Mm -hmm. got like literally at like 20 views like Mm -hmm. you know but then if I say, oh, I worked on Courage of Cowardly Dog and put up a picture of me standing next to a drawing of Courage of Cowardly Dog, which I've done, I'll get mm-hmm. 300 likes in one hour. Yeah. And what that goes to show is like, it's like, 
I know that's like that can be discouraging. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to I've basically stopped accepting outside work because I want to work on my own stuff. I'm like it's like it's almost like you would think oh, I'm putting my all my eggs in one basket. But I've come to the realization now that I'm doing this for myself. Yeah. And I hope people see it and I hope people like it. Mm-hmm. But don't let whether you work for a studio or not define you. Right. Keep doing it. And the people that you want to see it will see it. Mm-hmm. And as long as you love doing it, then keep keep doing what you love. And uh, you know, and it, it might take a little longer. But, you know, I tell students all the time, I have a friend or when I speak at place, I have a friend. He animated an entire film on an iPhone just with mm-hmm. drawing, like with a, with a drawing app on with his mm-hmm. finger. And this is when iPhone first came out. And he created a uh, he turned it into a music video and it got on TV and won awards. Like you nice. literally have what's in your pocket mm-hmm. to do a film now. Whereas for me, when I was coming up, you had to have hundreds of dollars to develop film. You had to have mm-hmm. tens of thousands of dollars to edit like a, a optical track and edit it in big studios. And if it doesn't come out, then you have to spend like another couple hundred dollars to develop more film. And like you had to have tens of thousands of dollars just to do a three minute film. Like now you have like what's in, you literally have what's in your pocket. And, and I feel yeah. like the generation of today is really lucky. Mm-hmm. And FYI, I think it's really amazing that you know Cinema 4D. I would give anything to know how to animate in 3D. <laughs> um, I can teach you. <laughs> well, you know, I love, like, for instance, I use VeggieTales as an example. Like, I love VeggieTales. Like, when VeggieTales first started, it was a big idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't, they were just like, let's just animate these crudely animated vegetables that don't mm-hmm. have arms and legs. Yeah. Telling, vi- telling Bible stories. Yeah. And I'm not even religious, and I... I'm obsessed with VeggieTales because I love how random it is. Like they didn't, they didn't, they weren't, they were kind of mostly doing it for themselves because they were just like, hey, we want to tell Bible stories, but in a silly way, but yeah. still staying like respectable to the material. But yeah, but but then there's also like silly songs that they sing in between the Bible stories, and they were just mm-hmm. silly and true to themselves. And I was actually yeah. talking to my very dear friend Gina the other day, and she said, Pilar, whatever you do, be true to yourself. Yeah. You know, don't do like what, don't do what you think people want to see. Mm-hmm. Like stay true to yourself, you know, animate this thing that you want to animate. That's what I learned. Um, well, first, like when I worked for the state of Louisiana, um, you know, I learned Maya in college and we had access to Maya. But sometimes when I was doing, I was doing a lot of industrial manufacturing stuff and like, you know, animating water through pipes and stuff. And I was like, we also have access to Cinema 4D, and it's actually easier for me to do this in Cinema 4D because of the tools. So, all right, Maya, to like move to the side, and I, I just was yeah. like using Cinema 4D for most of the stuff. But also, um, what I learned because during that, you know, Issa Rae time on YouTube and like, oh god, TV, I love her. Uh. <laughs> like what I learned because thir- that during that time, I would watch a lot of like YouTube you know, movies and TV shows, and um. If you have a great story, people will give you grace on how it looks because, like, there will be, you know, yeah. TV shows where people had to, like, you know, smoke detector beep in the background. I'm like, well, y'all changed the battery. But, like, but, uh, like <laughs> I was watching all this, like, live action stuff. And it was like, even if the 
it was kind of, you know, not blurry, but not the highest quality. If, if it was a good story, it was still a good time. Oh, yeah, like, uh, 100%, like, an animation, like, um, if it has a really, I, I mean, I've seen animation that looks like it was drawn with, like, left-handed with your eyes closed. I mean, you know, if you're a righty, you know. And <laughs> and it has, like, a really great story, and, and everyone, like, loved it. You yeah. Know? And, and story it's king. Like, <laughs> it really is. It's like, and and then that's the thing I'm trying to, um, because a lot of the work I come from a TV background, um, and a lot of the work that I do looks very commercial and slick, mm -hmm. and and I'm trying actually to force myself away from that, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to like unlearn a lot of what I learned over the last few years, and I want to like kind of enter it fresh, like Pilar at RISD, like yeah. animating on in pencil, and you know. Except I decided I still want to animate digitally. So I'm using, uh, for a lot of what I'm doing, I'm using Rough Animator, which mm -hmm. is largely considered to be uh, the best, one of the best, if not the best animation app. Like I like that would be like tablet app yeah. for, uh, because it's made by animator, by an animator for animators. So the yeah. my very good friend, uh, developer and amazing animator, Jacob Kafka, like, um kudos to him mm -hmm. for uh making that so i i have like no excuse i my ipad doesn't fit in my pocket but it fits in my <laughs> purse so i have the the resources right in my purse to like yeah. animate something so i'm kind of excited <laughs> can you um talk talk about how you initially shunned the thought of going to the Ottawa Inter International Animation Festival and then how you got the opportunity to go and what the impact yeah. that festival and other festivals yeah. have had on you. <laughs> no, it's it's ironic because I because I'm like anyone that like even remotely knows me knows that I'm like obsessed with the Ottawa Animation Festival. Like I've gone like pretty much every year for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And so much so that I'm it gets to the point where I go to the festival and, the, and I just like show up. I have like a standing invitation from at least six people like I could just stay with. Um, yeah. Like one time I actually tested my theory. I actually showed up. I didn't make any hotel reservations. And I just like got off the plane, made a phone call and said, uh, like, Polara, what are you doing? Come over, you know. <laughs> and it's like so Ottawa's become like my second home. But so that's I'm setting up the irony. So um, I RISD <laughs> in mm -hmm. 1994, uh, this was actually, uh, yeah, 1994, they, were, they, were, they said, hey, this is in the spring. And I said, in the fall, we're going to the, we're taking our seniors to the Ottawa Animation Festival, like Amy Kravitz, my thesis teacher, my, my animation teacher, um, mm -hmm. amazing Amy Kravitz and Steve Subotnik married, they're married, they, they co-teach together, they said, you know, in the fall, you know, we're taking you to the Ottawa Animation Festival. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't have the money. And it sounds boring, you know, just <laughs> sitting around watching anime, like watching abstract films for six hours mm -hmm. in a row for a week. I don't know. And it, it was like, eh, okay. And she like walked away. I was like, she accepted that way too readily. <laughs> so the next thing you know, like, um, Lynn McCormick, who's like the, uh, she's basically like ran the department. Like she, mm -hmm. she was sort of like the assistant of who ran the department. Everybody knew she ran the department. So Lynn, <laughs> so she was like, Pilar, could you come up to the, I can't remember. Someone says, hey, Lynn wants to talk to you. She's in the office. I was like, oh. I was like, 
I was like, oh man, she's going to kick my ass. What's going on? <laughs> so she said, hey, Amy tells me that you don't want to go to the Ottawa Animation Festival. I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't have the money. It's like, I got to come up with 200. I have to pony up $200 to mm-hmm. pay for the bus in the hostel. And and I'm good. You know, I could just stay in Providence and work on my film while you guys go to. And she said, I don't know what you believe you're going to do, but you're going. And I was like, <laughs> what? And I was like, she says, well, I'll send you, I'll pay for you to go. Mm-hmm. And then you just work it off when you come back. I was like, I was like a little like, what? She says, trust me, you, you are like, you need to go. Like, mm-hmm. and there's something specifically about me, because I had classmates, there were a handful of classmates that did not go. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, but for some reason, they were like, Pilar, like, are you sure about this? Does you really need to go? I was like, what the? So, <laughs> so I went, and what, what struck me, and I tell this story all the time, what struck me about the Ottawa Animation Festival is that you go and like, it, it felt very like you're going and you watch a film. Mm-hmm. And then a second later, you're at a party standing next to the person who made your favorite film having a beer. Like, it wasn't like, you know, the filmmaker was like whisked off to some celebrity place where wherever famous people yeah. go. It was like, it was like <laughs> there could be a film that like, you know, brought me to tears, and then a second later I'm in the lobby and like there's a filmmaker's like, ah, you know, and mm-hmm. and just the camaraderie and how just like everywhere you go you just just feel so accepted. Like, you could be 19. Mm-hmm. You could be 30 everywhere you went. Oh, Polaris is party. Oh my God. Come on. Hey, how you doing? Like, I, I remember I met, um, um, I mean, I'm, I was standing in front of the theater and, and Henry Selleck is there talking to a friend of mine. I walk up, hey, Polaris, me, my friend Henry. And it wasn't like, <laughs> hey, nice to meet you, kid. Gotta go. Like, you know, like I'm Henry Selleck. I'm famous. I directed Nightmare Before Christmas, but you know, get a, you lowly individual. I'm going to leave now. It wasn't like that. It was like, uh-huh. He was like, oh, hi, how are you? It's so nice to meet you. It's like, um, what do you do? And like, like I was just standing there for like a solid, like something like 10 to 20 minutes chatting with Henry mm-hmm. Selleck. Like, what? And this is what it's like every year. So when I yeah. came back in that first year from the Ottawa Animation Festival, I mean, I remember being like uh, us little Risty kids, um, my very, who became my very dear friend, Joanne, who I want to be her when I grow up mm-hmm. to this day. Like she always knew where the cool parties were, even if the parties that weren't like widely known. Yeah. And she said, I heard that a bunch of MTV people are hanging out in a suite. And I was like, MTV? You mean like actual people from MTV are hanging out? And I get to meet. So she's like, come on. And so we went to this suite and I'm like, there and like the likes of Willie Hartland and Eric mm-hmm. Calderon and like, you know, Mike DeSev and like, you know, like, all people like Willie Hartley is like one of my closest friends and dear friends. Like, it's like, here I am going, Oh my God, these are people that worked at Beavis and Butthead. And I'm like, and they're like welcoming us. Hey, what's up? You know? (laughs) And so I, when I went back to like the, to Providence, I was like, Oh my God, like, thank you so much. Lynn was like, I told you. So. Right. And so, and I've been going like, I mean, um, it's so much so that I've like basically just, I'm, so obsessed with the Ottawa festival. I just like, I go to the Ottawa office. The first stop I make when I arrive in Ottawa is I, I buy a bottle of wine and I go to the festival, the office, and I leave a bottle of wine on uh, 
Kelly Neal, the managing director of the Ottawa Festival, I always leave a bottle of wine on her desk and I always leave mm-hmm. a beer on artistic director Chris Robinson's desk. And and I, I mean, I love the festival so much. I'm always like, like, thank you for doing an amazing job. <laughs> and then after your first one, you went back and like worked off the money. <laughs> I did. Like I went, I went back. I was like, and actually some of the stuff I had to do, like I had to, uh, I was scrubbing, um, editing suites. Um, Mm -hmm. and so like literally they gave me a, 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 a rag, a razor blade, a toothbrush and a can of WD-40. And I'm like, um, I got there at seven 30 in the morning. I was like cleaning, editing suites. I had to put on like an apron and a mass it's like no speck of dust i had my radio going i was like this is i can't believe how great i was i was scrubbing the floor i was like oh, i'm so happy and i was like stimpy i mean i was like ran in like happy happy i was like so happy i'm so happy so like it's literally what it was like i was like it was just amazing and then the following uh time because i was back when the ottawa festival was like every other year Mm-hmm. So you had the regular festival every other year, and then every year between, it was the student one. Mm-hmm. But I could only afford to go every other year anyway. <laughs> so, but um, I had so little money in 1996 when I went back. I volunteered. Yeah, which was great. And um, I always want to. I always think I want to volunteer, but then, <laughs> but then something happens where I'm like, I don't know. I I love volunteering. But I, I'd really rather just go and get drunk, you know. Like, no, not really. There's more to it than there is more to it than that. Let's just put it that. Way. No, and I had the honor. Like last year, I had the honor. I was asked. Uh, Chris Robinson um, really just blew me away and asked me to be on the um, jury. And actually, nice. he asked me in 2020. Mm-hmm. He said, "Pilar, would you like to be on the jury?" I was like. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm so honored. Thank you so much for asking me. He said, yes, but under one condition, it has to be when we're back in person because we will have too much of a blast. Like, yeah, because we, we just, we always have a blast. Like, you know, Chris, Mm -hmm. I always get a beer with him, like on the first day of the festival. I'm like, you know, and then we always like, we're like, we're like old college buddies, you know, even though I never went to college. Like, we totally like josh each other. Hey, Pilar, screw you, man. I'm like, yeah, screw you. (laughs) And then we just have this thing where you, we love one another so much. There's so much love there, but like, yeah. but all we do is make fun of each other. And so if someone doesn't know us, they're mm-hmm. like, oh my God, those people hate each other. And it's like, right. it's like the opposite. <laughs> it's really funny. But um, so fine. Uh, the Ottawa Festival uh, for two years uh, did online because mm-hmm. it's like uh, Canada, like hadn't even opened their borders yet. It was like yeah. kind of dicey, even for 2021. And they did such an amazing job. And they're like one of the only festivals that did the festival online and were successful mm-hmm. in being true to the festival, being true to themselves and having like the vibe, you know? Nice. And um, so finally Chris was like, this is the year, 2022, we're going to be in person. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, and I had the best time. I had the best time. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, can it. you talk about uh, what, what do you love about teaching? God, I, I, it's like I almost love teaching more than I love animating because mm-hmm. I, the students, like 100%, the students, I, I, I love my students so much. I, I can't even like, I can barely talk about my students without like wanting to cry. Like they're just amazing. Like, mm-hmm. like just seeing like 
black and brown like kids like coming in and just looking enthusiastic and I'm like ah, I just want to pour my heart out and I just want to open my veins and be like here <laughs> what, what can I give you you know and like and but I do that in the form of knowledge and you know mm -hmm. and 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 then one of the things I say is I'm like you know you're gonna walk out of here I can't guarantee a job I can't guarantee you'll find work mm -hmm. uh I to anyone but one thing I will guarantee is like you'll walk out of here an animator and uh, you have the resources that I never had. And and like there, the whole demeanor changes. Like when I say that to like, you know, and I have st uh, students that are doing like podcasts and, and mm -hmm. doing YouTube channels and films. And, and every time one of my students, you know, tells me, oh, I got a job or I got an internship. It just feels like, ah, oh, like it just feels like victory, you know, like, yeah. Every time it's like, I feel like I got the job, like, because yeah. I'm so happy. It's just victory, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just feels amazing. And so that's that's what I love. And and um the City College of New York, uh just where the flagship campus of the City University of New York, mm -hmm. uh uptown on uh hundred fortieth and Amsterdam, like the, all the whole campus like in campus like 10 block radius, but mm -hmm. uh, my building is 140th in Amsterdam, 140. And mm -hmm. I just, every minute I'm with it, it just doesn't feel like work. It really doesn't. I feel almost guilty. I'm like, this, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like so amazing. Just being able to like share a love of animation to students and mm -hmm. demonstrate like how to animate and draw. Like it, it really it does not feel like work to me. I love it so much. I mean, it's, it is hard work. Let's let's be clear. It's it's hard work, but I'm just saying like when I'm in it, it's like, yeah. I'm having such a great time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I, I have like two prominent moments um, thus far from like teaching, like when I um, taught at Loyola, Loyola University, New Orleans, um, I taught a class in the spring, like I taught Center 40. And I remember I only had three students, like I had six at the beginning but then three dropped but um i remember one oh. of my students saying like you treat us like normal people like we're not normal people <laughs> like i don't know there's maybe this like particularly at like a loyola university like which is like i think a catholic you know university or something like that but just you know the normal way professors act and then i just was like well you know i'm just gonna talk to you like this i don't know it just was yeah like, you, you gotta treat us like people <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's not like, like students, but like people. <laughs> yeah, like not like talking down to them or yeah. just like, hey, look, this is the deal, you know? Yeah. And then another time um, before that was like, um, I tutored a guy, like a, he was like a, a junior senior in high school when I was tutoring him. And I tutored him to, and taught him like Maya. And he had like Asperger's. Um, and I remember like the journey of like at the beginning when we're opening Maya and, you know, you have to like rotate around the, the scene and you know sometimes when you're teaching initially like your student is like trying to do something and like go at the side I'm like you know you can just rotate it like why are you doing this like they're like trying to get to the <laughs> side and I'm like rotate it rotate it like you can like, zoom in and then yeah. like having to like tell him all that stuff in the beginning but then several months later him just like naturally doing stuff that makes uh -huh. sense and i'm like ah i taught him that <laughs> oh i love it that's, that's amazing oh my god yeah that's, that's what i like feeling. about teaching yeah there there was a student uh recently um that oh god who was i talking to recently where they 
they um, got into uh, like an internship and I was like, their portfolio, they got in on the strength of stuff they did in my class. Mm -hmm. And I'm so, I am 100% making this about me. I'm so happy. <laughs> and then, um, and then a few days ago, I, I, I just kind of, my very good friend, Emmett Goodman, we got him. He's at City College now teaching animation mm -hmm. and so, so sometimes like he's there i'll just like i'll just bogart his class i'll just come in and be like yeah what, what y'all are going on and so <laughs> he was showing me the uh or the class and i i hung out he was showing the work of this wonderful student erica and and he says i really like how erica animated this character walking and i said well you know i told her everything i know you know uh, what can i say <laughs> he had a good teacher yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I'm like making it all about me. No, one hundred percent. I like there is no shame. I one hundred percent make it about me because I'm like because of like not that I'm like selfish and diminishing what the student did, but I'm mm -hmm. making it about me because I'm like oh, I'm so proud. Oh God, yes, that was my. And student. then like somebody can be inspired to take your class because they know you were the teacher. You know, and this one one fun thing I do too is. Uh, my sometimes my classes like take on the party atmosphere because mm -hmm. at any one time I'll have two to three to four extra students in my class just like coming in and like, like what are you working on you know mm -hmm. and and I like a lot of times unless they're being like really disruptive or whatever I'll be like oh yeah guys get out you know uh mm -hmm. but um I let people hang out like um yeah I'm like hey come in you want to see what we're working on and so sometimes I have friend I have students that will have one or two friends and hey can we hang out professor polar like yeah come on in. and um and then next thing you know those students that i let hang out are taking my class next semester yeah and and uh and it's just kind of fun i love having like this open door policy of teaching mm -hmm. you know like um i kind of had to rein it in last year because of the coronavirus or covid you know where it's like oh yeah. you can't have too many people and yeah. at once etc cetera, etc cetera. but like i've sort of like you know, I, I brought back my open door policy. I'm like, yeah, I'll visit. Like, are, are you? And then I'm like, so how come I haven't had you yet? And like, what do you mean? I'm like, so, so are you, are you, are you dropping by? Cause you're interested in animation. How come I haven't had you? Are I going to get you next semester? Well, I don't know. I got to talk to my partner. I'm like, okay, well check it out. Like well, hang out and watch it. Maybe you'll like it. You know, and then a lot mm -hmm. of times I'll have students like those same students that I made feel welcome. Like they'll take my class. <laughs> yeah. Matter of fact, I have a good uh, at least four or five students are that I have now are students that their friends told them about and they came and visited my class like last fall. Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you gonna say? No, I was just gonna say, like when I was tutoring that kid, like when he went to college, they were like, Oh yeah, he's like two semesters ahead. And I was like, We didn't even I didn't even tutor him every Saturday. So that was cool. That I like what the, taught him enough to be two semesters ahead of everybody else. Yeah, you you had part. Yeah, you had part of it. Like actually, I mm -hmm. actually tutored. Oh, crap, is it raining? Sorry. You know, you know, they say like the um, weather is like throwing out like temperatures, like Powerball numbers. And stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's thirteen degrees now. It's thirteen right. degrees, but it's raining. But now you know. Yeah. But um, no, I was I was actually tutoring a good friend of mine. I, I tutored her son for so for a year. Mm -hmm. before I got too busy with city college and then I just in grad school city college and grad school. And then I was just mm -hmm. go, had to stop uh, doing it. And I actually miss, I actually miss working with kids. So, so I mentor, I always make sure I'm like mentoring at least one yeah. kids at any one time, if I have time, yeah. but it was really cool. And like her son, like really just loved, he's not even necessarily interested in animation, but just animating and 
you know, implementing that focus that it takes to yeah. sit down and animate. I feel like it's like really great. <laughs> that's that's something I want to do with my platform is like not only encouraging animation as a career, but as a hobby. Like you don't have to go into it. It could be a hobby. Yeah. I, I, I tell students in my class on the first day, I'm like, you don't have to feel like you want to go into animation. You might mm -hmm. take this class and decide animation is not for you, but at least mm -hmm. it's, you know, at least it's something, you know. Yeah. At least it's like something that like, you know, you'll, you're, you know, oh, you experienced it, you know. Yeah. Plus you have a really cool portfolio. <laughs> so I love so it so much. My last question is, um, if someone was producing a documentary about you, what things would you want them to highlight outside of your work in animation? Outside of my work in animation? Holy cow, that's like, does teaching count or is that is that animation because I'm teaching animation? Outside of teaching and where you work in animation. <laughs> oh my God. I'm trying to figure out like uh, what, what it, I think maybe, you know, back to what you, you were saying, like maybe my upbringing, mm -hmm. because I've been having like a, and we're Facebook friends, right? Cause just yeah, going like yeah. social media, Ooh, should yeah. I be talking about social media? But um, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been posting all these pictures from my childhood yeah, and all these drawings from my childhood. And um, that's not animation. Those are just regular drawings. Um, um, <laughs> but I, it's weird. Maybe it's because it's like post pandemic and, mm -hmm. but I've been having like a, and I've been reconnecting with like, friends from high school and stuff I've been having kind of a reckoning of sorts where mm -hmm. I've been pulling out photo albums and looking back on my life and and saying oh wow look at you know I remember uh you know you know like looking back on junior high school or photos from when I was a kid and I have just a lot of just really interesting stories to tell and I had I really loved my upbringing, you know, yeah. it was, a, so, you know, you know, nothing's perfect, but you know, mm -hmm. what is, but I, you know, my parents gave me just an amazing upbringing. My mm -hmm. mom gave me just, and it still does this amazing sense of self. And uh, so basically, and I'm starting that a little bit now, animated documentary. Uh, so I guess my upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, Growing up in Brooklyn, what it was like, mm -hmm. you know, growing up in Brooklyn, being a kid in Brooklyn in the 80s, uh, playing with firecrackers and not getting your hand blown off. Like, how? How am I still standing? There's so many times I could have, like, gotten, like, run into the middle of the street, to pick up a Frisbee, like, a foot away from oncoming cars. Like, yeah. like New York City in the 80s, like, how? Like, so many times I could have easily died. I just didn't, you know. Yeah. So I just, I feel like I had, so I've been having like a reckoning of sorts lately. And, mm -hmm. and I sort of like think that like, yeah, I just having, uh, I, I think that that's, yeah, my upbringing. I, I think I lived an amazing life and still do <laughs> because I'm still in Brooklyn. So, you know, I'm living the life. <laughs> so where can people follow you? You know, I've been, um, my, I've been, you know, most of my work lately, and this sounds crazy, like I, uh, because my website is deathly in need of uh, an upgrade. But so I've, you could find me on Instagram, like um, at Pilar Tunes, like P I L A R T O O N S, like at mm -hmm. Pilar Tunes. Um, and um, you could also find me at www.pilartunes.com. And, um, 
I'm on LinkedIn. Um, but you know, if you really want to, uh, say hi and follow me and see what I've been up to, uh, I update Instagram a lot and, uh, and I'm just always on there. <laughs> I mean, not always like I do things and work and get stuff done. I'm not see if my boss is watching this. He's like, always on there for art. No. <laughs> so stay in touch at Pilar Tunes. And actually anything that has an at, you can at me anywhere. Uh, yeah. Twitter, Tumblr. My Tumblr sucks and I never touch it. So, um, you know, uh, what, what are the other ads? I don't have a TikTok. That's the only thing. <laughs> and you could also find me. I have a, a page on uh, Facebook and one of these days I'll actually update it. So just hit me up on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I want you to I want to thank you for allowing me to highlight you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm like, I feel really honored. And I want to big up your platform too. So <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. So to everyone out there, I want you to like so I know it's real. Comment and tell me how you feel. Subscribe to Citadel and sign up for post notifications to show your zeal. And I'll see you in the next video. Peace. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>